Welcome back to Truncated Thoughts presented by Prescouter. We're focusing on big ideas in life science. I'm Jeremy Schmerer, and I'm joined by Dr. Ryan LaRanger, Dr. Joao Guerrero, and Dr. Michael Boat. Whew, it's been a busy summer in the world of Prescouter, but we're back to discuss a topic which is gaining unfortunate momentum, monkeypox. Before the show started, Michael coined today's episode as a poxcast. Get it? Well, <laughs> this certainly isn't a laughing matter, but my microbiologist colleague is a bit of a jokester. At the time of this recording, there are about 56,000 reported cases of monkeypox, and I certainly am excited to hear some perspective from my team. Apparently, the first case of monkeypox was discovered in 1970 and historically has been seen in African countries. Why do you guys think it has surfaced now, and why is it spreading more rapidly than before? Joao, I don't know, do you want to kick us off here? Yeah, happy to do that. So one thing about monkeypox and about, you know, one main thing about monkeypox is that there's not a lot of information about it. There's a lot of unknowns, uh, including on how it spreads. You know, even though we, we do, you know, people believe that the main form of spreading is through physical contact, you know, it has been found on the throat. You know, it has been found on bodily fluids, such as semen and blood. Now, you know, those seem to be lower viral um, loads, which means that probably that's not how it's being spread, but it doesn't preclude it. Um, and it also means that it's usually, it, it can probably stay there for a long time, which is why it's been hard to potentially eradicate and it's been around for, for so long. You know, now it's it's called monkeypox going to, you know, to your origins, as you were saying, because it was first described uh, from a monkey. You know, it does infect monkeys, but they're not necessarily uh, your primary reservoir for the disease. You know, typically a primary reservoir is an animal that doesn't suffer from the disease, but carries it, you know, and that's why it's dangerous because it's, you know, they're not going to die from it and it can infect other people, you know, and, and the first case that showed up, it came from a region in Africa where monkeys are present, but there was no evidence that there was any contact with a monkey, right? So maybe to just demystify a little bit the, the monkeypox term and people thinking, you know, fearing monkeys, um, you know, not we're not sure that if, if they're the main culprits of, of, of this disease. Now, why it is spreading rapidly now? I know some people think that it might have changed a bit. It might have become a bit more virulent and might be spreading a, li a, a little bit more. But as it can happen with a lot of these outbreaks from diseases, it's sometimes just it's a question of chance and you know people being on the on the wrong place at the wrong time. You know we've seen Ebola uh, you know come up now and then. You know in the last time it came up, you know some cases even reached the U.S. as well. Sometimes it just means an opportunity for it to spread a bit more. Interesting perspective, Joel. Ryan or Michael, who wants to jump in next? I have some thoughts from things uh, from, let's say, a bit of a practicality perspective. Michael, do you have any thoughts on, I mean, infectious, disease, infectious diseases are your bread and butter. Do you have something you want to say here before I jump in? No, I guess not too much beyond echoing that this is, well, what, first of all, I think this is not necessarily SARS-CoV-2 pandemic 2.0. Uh, I just want to emphasize that yeah. the rate at which this is spreading, I know a lot of people are very concerned about this becoming a, a, another pandemic. Um, from the looks of it, um, the response has been uh, perhaps not the, the fastest it could have been, but there's good damage control and disease control in, in most um, developed areas in the world right now, which I think has um, has definitely benefited 
um, from the, the pandemic attention that we've uh, we've of course given diagnostics and also treatment. Um, I do want to mention one thing is I think the the big issue in um, having this monkeypox virus showing up is a delay in disease onset, and so you're playing a bit of a catch up with from the moment someone gets infected from the uh, original infection or transmission event to when they get symptoms and when it's visible that they have it. So this is very different from what we see with other kinds of viruses where traditionally you get very sick in a matter of days. And this is up to, for instance, 20 days of incubation period. So that's also causing some of that ramp up in, in numbers. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, Michael, that was going to, I was going to follow up on that. You kind of answered the question. So the incubation period could be a few weeks versus what we've seen with COVID where it could be as little as two to four days. Exactly. So, and that, that's why I think there's, there's a bit of a ramp up. It also originally, this original SARS virus actually was um, detected quite easily because people got very high fevers early on. So they could scan on airports. If you can recall those, uh, early 2000s videos and and sort of very easily contain that, right? With SARS-CoV-2, there was no such event. In some cases, people were asymptomatic. In this case, I would say the length of that incubation period can really make it difficult for people to retrace back. Where does it come from? How is it spreading? What are some of those events? How, do, how is it impacted? And so that really led to that initial spike. Mm -hmm. um, and then especially in, in populations where skin to skin contact is maybe more frequently, um, uh, used, um, in cultures where skin to skin contact is more frequently used. So that's well, been a major trouble there. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. Joao, let's come back to you a little bit more on, on the spread. Can you give us some of your perspective on, on that? Yeah, I think something that Michael just touched upon is, is very important. So it, the main you know, mechanism by which is is spreading is is that that skin to skin contact, and it's it's what that more contact, you know, more prolonged contact can can result in a higher um, chance of it spreading. So it's it's very important that people don't shy away from um, you know speaking about sex because that's been how it's been spreading a lot. You know, and there's it been cases where people looked at and people that have you know a strong number of lesions in the mouth, you know, they were practicing oral sex. If there's a, a, a really very high level of lesions around the anus. They're they're practicing anal sex. So and and you know it's sometimes a taboo issue. People take talking about sex, and and I think that can also sometimes impact a bit on on people being a bit more careful and kind of understanding what are the risks that that are you know that they're potentially putting themselves on in the different situations. It's a big stigma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really great point. I mean, it's it's difficult to talk about some of these things for sure, and and we. Obviously, want we don't want that to be the limitation for for getting this under control. Um, Ryan, we haven't heard from you yet. I know you have some some thoughts. We were talking before about mRNA and regulatory. You're up, my friend. So, uh, the, I sort of two points to make here. Uh, beyond, of course, you know, it's tragic when this sort of thing happens. Uh, the stigma is obviously a big deal. Uh, first of all, I was sort of surprised that the uh, first vaccine that came out of the works wasn't an mRNA vaccine, right? The uh, vaccine, which is on the books right now, and that's being implemented in a way that I think is actually fascinating, uh, is a, basically a deactivated virus vaccine. Very, very classic, right? Um, 
we've been having some conversations around the idea of healthcare and the regulatory regime before and after COVID. COVID was a real changing point for the way that regulatory groups uh, and scientific groups look at healthcare. Um, because for monkeypox, one thing that I think is extremely notable is that the FDA and other regulatory bodies have been very flexible with even before the phase three trials are finished, you know, the safety data looks pretty good. Uh, they're already delivering the vaccine to a lot of people at, at, in at-risk communities, specifically thousands of doses. They're also being very mindful of things like supply issues. So by doing intra-subcutaneous uh, or intradermal, um, the delivery method they're applying allows them to give, and let me make sure I get this um, exactly right. Yeah, the uh, subcutaneous dosing allows them to get more doses out of a single vial. So uh, regulatory agencies are being very, very permissive and uh, communities are being very open to get a vaccine, get it early, prevent it from getting worse, which I think is extremely notable. You know, I think Ryan's point, you know, it's it's it's, it's an important one. We've all been expecting you know, mRNA vaccines to, to play a lot larger role, see how things change with COVID. At the same time, I think, you know, with monkeypox, we're it's it's we're in luck in the sense that we have already vaccines that we know work. You know, the small pox pox vaccine, you know, we know it mm -hmm. works. It doesn't work one hundred percent. You know, there's vaccines that have been approved for monkeypox specifically, but the fact that there are stocks of, of smallpox vaccines saved for, you know, in, in case smallpox outbreak comes back, you know, those stocks exist, you know, so that means those vaccines were available and are ready to be deployed. You know, it still means it's not going to be instant. There's been a lot of talks of vaccines lacking and, you know, probably not getting enough vaccines. Once more, we're seeing developed countries kind of jumping ahead on the on the line and, and getting access to those vaccines and underdeveloped countries struggling to do that. Um, and it's still going to take a while because those stocks are, are in a form where the vaccine still needs to be processed. You know, they're concentrated, et cetera. So it's not the same as, hey, bunch of stocks, you can get it. But the fact that it exists and it pro provides protection, you know, made it, in my opinion, you know, an easier decision of, okay, this is here. It's already proven. We don't need to spend the six months to 12 months. You know, even with all the learnings from from COVID, that development time to to get something new, um, let's just go with what works. And even if the smallpox vaccine offers three years protection, I think that's one of the estimates. Mm -hmm. That should be enough to kind of uh, cover the the outbreak. Well, and Joel, you bring up um, both you and Ryan bring up smallpox, and I'm curious, why is monkeypox so much more severe and fatal than smallpox? From everything I've been seeing. That's been one of the clear differentiators. I don't know, um, Michael or Ryan, do you guys have any thoughts on why monkeypox might be more fatal than, than smallpox, for example? Uh, that's a great question. I, I guess uh, the, the, the true microbiology uh, answer is, is we, we, sh we should look at it before we can, we can say that. But in general, you, you can say that. So smallpox has been eradicated mostly, right? For a it's in some freezers. Yeah, <laughs> it's in it's in some freezers. So we'll not go there today. Uh, in this uh, in this podcast, maybe a different podcast too. Um, I would say that it that's because it was a very nasty virus to begin with, right? Um, I think there's also a benefit to 
us having that experience, which is we already knew a lot about this, this virus type, or at least the genus of the virus, which is vaccinia, right? And so I think the question about, um, or getting back to, to Joao's point, it we already had some knowledge about how to treat this and which vaccines to use, how the disease pathology is playing out for individual species within a genus is always a bit of a gamble. But I would say to your question, Jeremy, is that the poorer some viruses are adapted to its host, so the less time they've had to co-evolve, the more virulent they can be. And Ebola is another good example of that, is where there is such a severe disease state almost immediately after infection. Um, and that's really because the immune system doesn't know how to deal with it. There's no containment. And the um, yeah, the disease can, can spread quite rapidly. For monkeypox, I would say it, it's largely the same, right? There's no long co-evolution history of monkeypox within the human population. And so that can cause and that delayed onset of it growing out in the body and then the immune system not being able to deal with that until there's an alarm state or it's too late. Hence the, um, yeah, the severe disease. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that, that tracks. Thanks for giving a little bit more color and also being respectful of not trying to jump to conclusions until more data is available. I, I, I think our listeners certainly appreciate that. Um, Ryan, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, it's we, we sort of have to. I mean, it's not to sort of loop back to COVID again, but it's important as a comparison because this is like one of the first major post-COVID um, health events, right? Uh, what Part of what made COVID in particular a bit of a black swan was that it had a combination of a few things, which made it exceedingly dangerous from a public health perspective. It was airborne transmissible. It was good and still is really good at being transmissible from an airborne sense, which makes it difficult to track from a public health perspective. And the fatality rates were such that for a lot of reasons we can go into, um, it was difficult to implement certain kinds of public health measures uh, because there was less sort of fear on the person to person level. With monkeypox, it's not airborne as far as we know. Uh, it spreads by, you know, person-to-person -person contact. It's uh, pretty darn dangerous, if you get it, to my understanding. And um, it's not airborne. <laughs> and so it's definitely public health concern. Um, there's already vaccine for it, but it's not going to have anywhere near COVID's level of economic or societal impact unless there's something about this disease I don't know. Very good perspective. And, and you know, Joao, you started to talk a little bit about the spreading. Um, would you say you agree with Ryan's assessment? Um, and as we all start to think about the next six, 12 months of something like monkeypox, where is it going? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I think I, I agree with Ryan. I, I think it's... I know people are a bit more more alert nowadays. You know, you've you've seen, you know, countries uh, they're trying to get their vaccines and trying to get the the more at risk populations vaccinated. You know, as long as the information continues to flow and people are able to continue to study and understand things better, I think it's probably gonna, you know, sort itself. Um, well, with some help, right? But it's gonna sort itself in in a in a shorter period of time than than some other pandemics. You know, the fact that 
you know, it's it's not it's it is something that you know, it has a low mortality rate. You know, one percent. It's not nothing. You know, we definitely don't want everyone to to catch monkeypox. Yeah, um, <laughs> that would be pretty bad. You know, it is it is something that you know it, it can be contained. You do you can see those symptoms, and as as long as we continue you know vaccinating the people, that's you know likely going to be at a higher risk. You know, and people keep attention to the symptoms. Um, I know there's some discussion on if if isolation is necessary or not. You know, it it might not be considering how what we know, but there needs to be you need to be careful. You not need to stay, I know, one month at home as you needed for for COVID when you you got infected. But you need to be careful on, on what you're doing, who you're touching, you know, how close you're, you're getting to people. You know, and I think as long as those you know there's information flowing, uh, probably we can kind of overcome this with uh, with a lot more, you know. Without going into a drastic situation, I would say. Excellent. And and Michael, I know you've studied infectious disease for for many many years. What what are your thoughts on on where you think this is headed? Yeah, I think uh, one thing I learned with the uh, with the pandemic is uh, not to be too uh, too sure about your case uh, on yep. what's going to happen. Um, that being said, I think we have a good basic scientific understanding of this. Um, Type of virus, I would say, not so much this particular virus, which gives us a good handhold on how to deal with that. Um, I'm very hopeful that with the tools that we have and already existing vaccines and some interventions that we can, um, yeah, we can visit it, but quite effectively. So, excellent. Well, Ryan, do you have anything else to add before we wrap? I think that's a wonderful note to end on. Excellent. Well, guys, monkeypox is certainly something we're seeing. A lot of information, people are talking about it. So I'm glad that we were able to at least share some perspective today. Certainly this should never replace um, medical advice, um, but hope you learn something new. And if you would ever want more information, we certainly could could speak with listeners um, following the episode. So that is all the time that we have for today. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. And if you're not subscribing already, Find us on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. And thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.